Thanks for tuning into this special episode of How's Things, a podcast from the David A. Howe Public Library, recorded right here in Wellsville, New York, and the other half recorded in Marshall, Michigan. It's Pride Month, and we got Bo Hutchings on the hook. Hey, Bo. Hey. Welcome back. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm loving it. Anytime. Uh, I've got exciting news for you, Bo. This year, we're simulcast over in the 9021 Here We Go feed. So you can also welcome the 9021 Here We Go listeners. Well, hey, welcome, 9021 yeah. 9021 Go. 9021, here we go. Yeah. Get it? Get it? And the O is a zero? I will get it eventually. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's no worries. No worries. Uh, I know you were a 90210 fan back in the day. Let me ask you this. If if any of the 90210 cast could take you to prom, who would it be? Uh, Tori Spelling. Really? Yeah. Donna famously got drunk at the prom and almost didn't graduate same donna okay all right i mean i'm uh i'm a, a kelly taylor all the way you know oh, right. donna yeah. would have been fun she would have been an ally yes. she would have been a distraction she would have yeah while i was probably trying to make out with brian austin green or wanting to you know she would have okay. come version over here got and it have, like stayed up all night gabbing about it until she sure sobered up yeah yeah that's true donna's always good for some shenanigans that's that's a good pull didn't she like lose her virginity in one of those episodes in that prom episode? Not the prom episode. It happens eventually, but we're not through that way. Kendra and I are going through season seven right now and it still hasn't happened. So no spoilers. No, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't recall clearly. Okay. I thought was, oh, I'm thinking of Melrose place. Cause they, yeah. That oh, lots of stuff happens in Melrose place. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, today we, it's our Pride Month book club. We are talking about She Gets the Girl by Allison Derrick and Rachel Lippincott. Before we get into that, though, let's open up our books and see where our bookmarks are at. Bo, the last time we did a Pride Month book club, you were just about to start the Derrick Huff biography. And I wonder if it ever... If you ever picked it up, if you ever finished it, I just, what's he up to? That is so funny because before I came down to open up this app, I looked at that book and I thought, oh, yeah. God, I'll start that still. Yeah. So, clearly haven't cracked it. Okay. The thing is, That's all right. You, I told you how that book came to me, right? Yes. Yeah, a gift from your therapist, I recall. Yeah. One, well, I'm not seeing that therapist anymore. So oh. maybe, you know, I won't, I'm not prioritizing that one. Got it. Got it. Okay. That makes perfect sense. She's all the best. She's great. Yeah. Yeah. It just, you know, new year, new me, new. It got you a book. Yeah. Journey of Tay. It got me a book that I've. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Are you wearing any Pride Month gear this time? I still haven't got over the year that you were wearing that BU, BU, BU. And top yeah. the, the gay target. Um, yes. Paraphernalia. Yeah. This one, this one I just love in general. What does it say? La vie. Okay. The tank yeah. top, and it's from uh, my cruise ship days in St. Martin, and I don't get much prideier than that. That's right. I forgot about your cruise ship days. I, How long was that? How long were you out to sea? Uh, too long. I think I really? might still be there. Uh, do you think? A little bit? Did, do your, did your land legs ever come back? Are you still wobbling around like Liza Minnelli? Bermuda Triangle. I definitely am still walking around like Liza Minnelli, but that has nothing to do with my cruise ship days. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> um, but I... Um, okay. I was there. I was on the ship for six months before they threw us overboard for Mamma Mia because I did the musical Chicago on board. Sure. It was the last cast and we were only six months, which sounds like a long time, but that's actually a really short contract in cruise yeah. ship years. So cruise ship years. Sure, yeah, sure. I think the maximum is like eight or nine months that you can spend on the ship before they like they legally have to pull you off for a couple really? of months. Because wow. that whole that whole cabin fever thing is is real. Really? I didn't make it that far, but I did do a crossing of the Atlantic, the 10 days where we were on the ship for 10 days straight. And I really do think about that moment. Yeah. <laughs> that week and a half um, off. And it was, it was pretty rough. That sounds insane. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. 
we weren't performing at that time either because it was the same guest for 10 days and they didn't they only want to watch chicago once sure how many times can you sit through chicago on a cruise ship yeah yeah, and and most of them already only saw it like a half a time anyway it was a terrible cruise ship show wow that revival the like sleek black version nobody wants to see like just people in like abstract costumes they want to see glamour or go to the casino so like the second unfortunately mary sunshine would start singing her song we would start we would see people pop up pop up oh boy and then we'd also we'd also see people like open the door in the back they're heading (laughs) and slowly close oh no not that one I hate to size with a cruise ship, but Mamma Mia does seem like a better choice. Oh, absolutely. And I saw a run through that show and I thought, yeah, that makes sense. This is right. This is right. I just saw a production of Mamma Mia that you choreographed this oh very God. month. That's right. You came all Such the way a good to time. Oh. I did all the way to Marshall. It was it was a great time. Dang. So you're gonna come back for here we go again? Definitely. Yeah, I mean I want to be in it this time. Okay, yeah, I'll send you the uh, the the audition posting. Oh, I I mean high school so. Right, but I mean you're kind of you know, behind the scenes, couldn't you just oh, can you yeah, just make it sure. Yeah. Could no. you just make it happen? Just like yeah, ask a few people and my people will talk to your people. Put a good word in. Okay. All right. All right. I made sure to shake your hands when you were Cindy Purvis and uh, me in St. Louis. You kind of gave me my start, so I do owe yeah, you, I think. You do, yeah, and I'm, I'm calling to collect. Yes, I did see your production of Mamma Mia, and the choreography was great. I was worried because they were teens, and I'm a terrible liar, but the choreography was so good that I didn't even have to Aww. try to lie, so it was great. It actually got a lot coming from you, and I think one of my favorite testimonials was, I thought that the kids were very talented and did a good job, and when our, our, our colleague, I guess you could say, back from the day, one of the kids that we oh, yeah. you know, were in theater with sat down and he said, oh man, they're putting us to shame. Yeah. He's like, I just wonder what they're putting in the water these days. Kids are so talented, and yeah. I think it's the resources they have. They have access to YouTube, and you know. That's true. Just our, I don't know. It's more they're just, just know who yeah. they are you solved it with youtube uh what are you uh <laughs> so what are you reading if not derek huff have you have you read anything or what's on your to read shelf sure so i actually finally finished a book that i started reading i think a year and a half or two years ago okay it was that uh, the wreckage of my presence by casey wilson i finally yes. finished that okay this i don't know if i told you but i'm kind of an um a nurturer of literature like i i, I like to like make it last, you know, yeah. through it. So this one, I really wanted to hold on to. And it was fantastic. Can't, re- can't, can't recommend it enough. It was so sweet. Okay. I'm switching gears and moving on. I did start a book that's very apropos to Pride Month, and it's called Bad Gays. Uh-oh. It's uh, homosexual history, and it was written by Hugh Lemie and Ben Miller. Okay. Um, I'm not that far into it. I was given to it from a very good friend of mine, also um, straight cis male ally like you okay like me college. yeah he gifted this to me for my birthday this past year and i i, I cracked it open and you know I'm, I'm a slow reader i can only focus on certain things but the first story they talked about was um um oscar wilde and sort of his journey through okay history and how he was condemned and thrown to pr- thrown into prison and took a sentence from like um his partner was i think an, an aristocrat or some sort of royalty Okay. But that person could not, like, you know, take the fall. So, yeah. Took the fall, took many years, and died in a, basically obscurity and had no idea that that was his trajectory. And wow. Yeah. yeah, that's all news to me. Yeah. So, that was the first story. So, this is bound to be, you know, feel good. Yeah, sure. Years. Perfect for the summer. Perfect for the summer, you know? Yeah, that, so we'll that'll be, be great. That. And then um, the other book that I have yet to crack open, but I'm very excited for a little bit of fluff, if you will, is called The Housewives. Oh, you the love yourself, Housewives. Behind the Real Housewives by Brian Moylan. And he writes for Vulture, um, okay, online news source. And he goes behind the scenes of the franchise, The Real Housewives from Bravo. So yeah. obviously, I'm a big Housewives fan. So I'm looking forward to reading some of the drama. Okay. Of behind the scenes okay you know reading the casey wilson books uh reminds me i bet you would like uh little weirds by jenny slate do you know jenny slate she i love jenny slate yeah it's really good it's uh it's it's short stories um some are are, feel kind of autobiographical others are just kind of odd it's a good title because some of the stories are super short and they're just weird but it's a it's a good read and i think 
it would be an easy one to kind of pick up, read a short story and put it down, nurture it the way you do. Love nurturing my funny ladies too. I know you do. Thank you. Boy, I read one that was long uh, and it was by Stephen King. It's called Fairy Tale. Have you read any Stephen King? Um, I started Carrie, but it was nothing like the movie and it was back when I everything had to oh. be like the movie. But yes. Uh, yeah. Well, Carrie's an odd one too. Just this, I mean, it's his first book, so it's different than a lot of the other ones. And the style that it's written in, I, I could see why that would be a little off-putting. I usually like Stephen King pretty well. This one is kind of a fantasy book, and it starts with a, a boy, like a teenager. Uh, he has this grumpy neighbor, and the grumpy neighbor falls, and he ends up helping the guy, and then kind of gets pulled into his life. And then you sort of come to realize that there's this whole fairy tale element with with. Uh, well, I don't want to give any spoilers, but. It goes from a very straight, like, lonely kid helps this lonely old man to a very uh, detailed, like, fantasy kind of story. And I loved everything until we got to the fairy tale part. And it was like, probably 30% of the book was just this kid kind of helping this guy and coming to terms with that and, like, sacrificing, like, playing sports and stuff so that he could be there for this guy who didn't have anybody. It was really kind of a touching story. But as soon as it transitioned to the fairy tale portion of it, I was just like, I don't need this in my life. I don't. Isn't it called fairy tale? It is called fairy tale. And I knew it was coming. I'm not like surprised. But there was something about it. It was such a hard pivot because up until you get to that point, and I'm talking like 100 plus pages, it's very normal. It's just very, just a, it's a nice story about these two people. It's not like there are fairy tale elements like sprinkled throughout the early part of it. There's really not. And so it's like, it's just, I couldn't make the transition. So. Fair. Yeah. I liked it. I didn't love it. Uh, I read a little, I read some graphic novels. Did you see Into the Spider-Verse? Did you see the new uh, Spider-Man? No, the Bogart Theater downtown Marshall was showing that with The Little Mermaid. I chose The Little Mermaid, but I, okay. I was very interested in hearing about Into the Spider-Verse. Okay. Yes, I, I, I liked it quite a bit. It's, uh, you know, it's part one of two, so I'm very anxiously waiting uh, number two. But I read a Spider-Man X-Men crossover called Dark Web. That was pretty good. Pretty good as far as uh, a big... It's kind of a heavy crossover, lots of different characters and things coming in. But no, I thought it was pretty interesting. And I'm currently reading one called Red Team Blues by Cory Doctorow. And it's kind of a... It's kind of a... I guess you'd put it in sci-fi, but it's really more a mystery about uh, somebody stealing the keys to this cryptocurrency that gives them access to like billions of dollars. And this guy who's kind of a kind of a cyber detective is hired to get these keys back. And, and it's really interesting so far. I read all different sorts, all different styles. That's awesome. I'm all over the place. <laughs> Gotta represent. Of course, yeah. Well, tell me about The Little Mermaid. I haven't seen it. Oh, um, I, I, I enjoyed it. It's the first live action Disney that I saw. Mm. I wanted to see Lion King, but obviously didn't get to it. So this one, I finally was like, okay, I'm going to, it's a big deal. You know, um, they have a black actress playing Ariel. It's like yeah. awesome representation. Awesome McCarthy looked pretty fabulous. Um, <laughs> I think what I liked the most about it was just the setting above Anything like kind of out of the sea, I enjoyed. <laughs> Which, you know, you I, and Ariel both. <laughs> now I finally get her. No, I think that it was it was in a rough transition CGI wise from like down below. Oh, oh okay. I thought that the world that they created um, out of the sea with like the Caribbean was really cool. It was very vibrant and beautiful. I love the little Easter eggs with the cameo of Jody Benson. Oh, cool. Yeah, I like those. I thought Melissa McCarthy was fantastic. I think there there's some controversy. I love reading gay Twitter. Okay, there is all of, all a tizzy about like how terrible her makeup is. So oh. I don't know if you know this, but the original uh, cartoon of Ursula from the Little Mermaid is based on Divine, the dragon oh. from the. Okay, 80s. I didn't know that, but I could see it. Totally right. So, like, obviously the persona was larger than life and meant yeah. to be very draggy in its own right. So, apparently they had, you know, no tea, no shade to um, the makeup artist, but they had a straight cis male um, doing the makeup. Mm. And he just missed the mark. Yeah. He did the he did the the classic like high eyebrows and the yeah. green eyeshadow, but that's about it. Like that's kind of mm. where it ended. It was like the transformation wasn't drastic enough. Like I think the eyes could have been more severe. So the makeup was severely lacking, but her performance was fantastic. So you really got yeah. to the actress. She pulled off the the wimpy makeup 
if you will. And then there's like obviously like people blasted the makeup because everybody has an opinion these days. And he kind of stood his ground and was like, well, why can't straight men do makeup? It's like they can, but you know, they got to do it good. <laughs> right. <laughs> there's still standards that yeah, apply. Yeah. I heard a lot of uh, complaints about the length because it's, you know, the cartoon is like 90 minutes and this is like over two hours. Yeah. Did you feel the, the added length? Yeah, totally. I felt it, it was way too long and there were definitely key points where I, I like ran to the restroom and it was like, uh, like, like Prince Eric had a song and I don't think he yeah. needed a song. Probably so not. No place for the audience here listening. If you need to take a break, go during that song. Cause I didn't during know. Eric's song. Okay. Yeah. I have seen a lot of the, uh, anime like live action whatever like i saw lion king which was so boring because it was just realistic animals doing the lion king with no facial expressions uh aladdin was pretty fun but i don't have a whole lot of i guess i don't understand why like i don't really have much of a desire to see them i guess you know I guess it's, it's probably something with the disney estate where it's like you know every now and then they open the vault sort of thing so maybe it was yeah. sort of a grand plan one day to like do this how they started doing live musicals that's, yeah. that's not disney but i think they're trying to harken back maybe to like i don't know just what they can do with with i don't know how they can how, how they yeah. can revive these stories and yeah well i mean why not you know they have the script sitting there you know like I, i'm sure it's a it's a pretty simple endeavor in some ways to kind of be like we already own this property so let's let's do it again you know where could it be to make that to make a terrible mistake yeah i <laughs> Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Are you watching any shows right now? I am watching an HBO series called The Other Two, which is uh, Molly Shannon and um, two actors that I can't really remember their name. One is Helene York. They play the siblings of a really, really famous sibling that's like a Justin Bieber. Oh, okay. Okay. And this third season is really ridiculous. Like Molly Shannon has become like basically Oprah level famous and. Um, the other two are very famous as well, just as famous as the Justin Bieber one. So it's pretty funny. I am also watching, I'm really like knee deep into Scandaval. And I mentioned that before we came on. So Scandaval really affected the Bravoverse. Okay. And, um, it was a uh, reality, sh it's a reality show called Vanderpump Rules. And yes. In pop culture, you may have heard this, but during the midst of like airing the season, a big affair came out between two of the cast members that nobody suspected at all okay it has really really shooketh the culture yeah so i'm really into that they just had their uh, episode three of the reunion so they had the last six minutes they had the the um female that was involved in the um affair actually okay. completely admit to it all in, a mm. in an interview and it was really shocking and since then she she has been radio silent for a while on social media i think she's actually been kind of like way and getting help oh, yeah yeah okay okay i meanwhile has been capitalizing off of it and going on tour <laughs> with his band and being complete jackass and he's got radio silent too since that episode aired because she definitely said like he made me lie about every single aspect wow these are the actual details so it was really really juicy and yeah it was really surprising it was it, it really uh, unified the bravo fans and it's okay that we've really been obsessing with since like march 1st <laughs> broke so it's kind of sad that it's almost over they have like a, a secrets revealed episode that's tonight that of course i'll watch but um yeah i've been really kind of just like analyzing the timeline of scandaval his okay. name um, Sandoval. Okay. Scandal broke. Somebody on Twitter said uh, Scandoval. Yeah, it's perfect. That's where we're at. What about you? See, I didn't know the ins and outs of any of that. I could have got Vanderpump Rules and Affair. That's pretty much the extent of what I knew. So it's good to fill in the pieces here. Did you hear? I mean, had you heard about this this scandal? Yes, I did. I did, but I don't like. I don't know any of the moving pieces in it. So I just sort of like, oh, this sounds juicy. <laughs> I'll tell you all. Okay. So. Okay. All right. Yeah. Give me a recap. You need your own podcast where you just talk through all of this. You know, I'm on it. there's things okay. in the here, here. Okay. This Marshall, Marshall podcast. I'll oh, just... yeah. I'll come on and be like, really? Wow. Really? I didn't know that. Really? It's the sidekick that uh, did Johnny Carson have a sidekick? Yeah. I had McMahon. Oh, shoot. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I'm sure I'll be Ed, Mc... I'll be Ed McMahon. Yeah. McMahon is a more 
that's almost a more recognizable name to me than Johnny Carson. I didn't realize that was a sidekick. Oh yeah. Well, Star Search and stuff like that. Uh, Star Search Star Search and the Publishers Clearinghouse is really like every every kid like, you know, our age knew those words. So that's probably it. You hear a knock on the door, it's that big old check. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh I've been I've been watching Fatal Attraction on Paramount Plus. Oh, with Lizzie uh, yes, with Lizzie Kaplan, Joshua Jackson, Amanda Peet. And it's so good. Like I didn't watch the original. I've never seen the movie. I've never seen the Michael Douglas Glenn Close movie. Uh, and my wife and I watched it, and it was like I think it was eight episodes, and we really were like subsequent days. We were like, yes, more, 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 more. So I was kind of sad when it was over. But I think it's a really satisfying. I don't know what you'd even call it, mystery thriller. I don't know. It works really well, though. Do you end up watching the movie? I haven't seen the movie yet, but the the show I think is kind of a retelling of the beats of the movie. I don't know how close it sticks to it, but it did kind of make me curious, you know, to go and watch it. I mean, I love Michael Douglas, so it's one I need he's to watch. Not involved at, some point. at all, is he? No, no, he's not. Are there any Easter eggs like that where they kind of introduce Glenn Close and and Michael Douglas? Nothing that was obvious to me. I know there's like a famous thing about a rabbit in the original movie, and there was like a bunny that kind of hopped through some scenes. And so I, I knew enough to get that that was a nod to the original movie. Right. But I think you'd like it. I think it's it's pretty good. Lizzie yeah. Kaplan's great in everything. But uh, I really thought Joshua Jackson did a really subtle job. Like you just kind of never knew if he was a, a good guy or a scumbag or both, you know? So Joshua Jackson. That's definitely like a throwback to our childhood. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Dawson's Creek and yeah. I think I listened to um, um, a radio, it was like a town hall kind of interview with the cast of that and Joshua Jackson just totally bombarded the whole interview and was like mansplaining through it all and he was really obnoxious. I know. It's like, I kind of want to hear, I kind of want to hear what the women have to say without you interjecting. Oh, that's disappointing because I was like really impressed with his performance, but... I'm sure he's maybe, great. I think he was maybe nervous. it just came natural. <laughs> yeah, maybe the role just was a little too close to home. Yeah, he was like, I can be a boorish man, sure. He started recognizing it at the end and was kind of and then he was commenting on it and then it just got awkward and then it was like, okay, then just shut up. Yeah, maybe Yeah, just pump the brakes on that one for a while. Well, anyway, it was good. I like it. I recommend it. Okay. Yeah. All right, shall we move into some book news? Absolutely. Look into the future to see what it proves. It's time for book news. Well, they just today, at our time of recording, announced the Women's Prize for Fiction. And this year it went to Barbara Kingsolver for her novel Demon Copperhead. And this is like a take on Charles Dickens' David Copperfield. But what's interesting about it is that Barbara Kingsolver is the first person ever to win this award twice. She won it in 2010 with her novel The Lacuna. But uh, I read one of hers called Prodigal Summer, which was about like a forest ranger who was like out like deep in the woods by herself and that was really good Uh, but i that's like the only thing i've ever read since our book today is young adult i thought we would look at the young adult bestseller list all right so i'm going to run through the top 10 you tell me what you think all right number 10 six weeks on the list warrior girl unearthed by angela boulay harry and pauline firekeeper birch discover that a local university is holding on to a deceased anishabe remains hmm Number nine, 42 weeks on the list, Lightlark by Alec Astor. Every hundred years, the island of Lightlark appears in a deadly competition called the Centennial takes place. So it's like if Brigadoon and the Hunger Games combined. It feels Hunger Gamesy, it but would I be singing too. Yeah, yeah. Singing slash. That's right. Number eight, two weeks on the list, Miles Morales Suspended, written by Jason Reynolds. Miles Morales encounters a termite with a secret that may destroy the world's history, particularly black and brown history. I've read a lot of Jason Reynolds stuff, and I always like it. I haven't read his Miles Morales books, though. Number seven, 36 weeks on the list, The First to Die at the End by Adam Silvera. In this prequel to the... They both die at the end. Okay. Orion and Valentino attend the premiere of Deathcast in Times Square. Hey, you're heading in that direction. I'll have to go look for Miles. See if you can find it. Number six, nine weeks on the list, The Little Mermaid Against the Tide by J.L. Ariel and her siblings must find their abducted sister Mala before the coral moon approaches. So yeah, I don't know if this is like a prequel to the movie or what. I remember Mala from the movie, so she must have been abducted before the movie. I guess so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Number five, 23 weeks on the list, Nick and Charlie. Nick and Charlie question whether their love is strong enough to survive being apart when Nick leaves for university. Have you read or seen Heartstoppers? No, I have a friend that's obsessed with that series and is trying to get me to watch it. I haven't done it yet. Have you? I haven't watched the show, but I read it. uh, I read the webtoon. So I read the comics that it's based on. And this is, Alice Oseman wrote those. And this is a novel about those characters. So I don't know if it, I don't know if it's like a retelling of the comic or a a telling of a different part of the comic. I'm not sure. But number four, two weeks on the list. See You Yesterday by Rachel Lynn Solomon. Barrett and Miles get stuck in a time loop, reliving their first day of college classes. You can't go wrong with a good time loop story. I, I like a good time loop. I would love to go revisit my college classes knowing what I know now. But only the first day. You can only do the first day over and over again. Over and over? Yeah. It's a time loop. That's the loop. That's the loop part. Uh, Number three, 28 weeks on the list. Five Survive by Holly Jackson. Six friends on a spring break road trip in an RV are the target of a sniper. Jeez. Oh, not as fun as Slasher. No. Number two, two weeks on the list. Girls Like Us by Haley Kiyoko. Two girls struggle with their feelings for each other. All right. Number one, six weeks on the list, Solitaire, also by Alice Hoseman. Tori Spring is determined to find out who's behind the blog called Solitaire, which has caused serious pranks at her school. Are blogs still a thing? Um, yeah, and then it was vlogs, so I think maybe we're back to blogs. We've come back around? Okay. Yeah. All right, did you have a blog back in the day? A live journal. Did you? Bono's, <laughs> something like that? Oh, it was um, Skinny B 42 <laughs> Why 42? I was obsessed with the musical 42nd Street. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. I was in 42nd Street uh, in, the, in the theater that we worked in together. Were you telling yeah. me the lights descended? And, yeah. And yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. That's the bestseller list. All right. All right. Uh, it's time. It's time for our Pride Month book club. So let's dive in. All right, this year we opted for She Gets the Girl by Allison Derrick and Rachel Lippincott. All right, let me hit you with some facts. Uh, the authors are married, and this is sort of a somewhat autobiographical story. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, it was a Goodreads Choice nominee for Best YA Fiction in 2022. Here's the publisher's synopsis. So uh, heads up, if you haven't read the book, we're probably going to spoil it. But this is just a quick uh, summary here. She's All That meets What If It's Us in this swoon-worthy, hate-to-love, YA romantic comedy from number one New York Times bestselling co-author of Five Feet Apart, Rachel Lippincott, and debut author, Alison Derrick. Alex Blackwood is a little bit headstrong with a dash of chaos and a whole lot of flirt. She, <laughs> she knows how to get the girl, keeping her, on the other hand, not so much. Molly Parker has everything in her life totally in control, except for her complete awkwardness with just about anyone besides her mom. She knows she's in love with the impossibly cool Cora Myers. She just hasn't actually talked to her yet. Alex and Molly don't belong in the same planet, let alone the same college campus. But when Alex, fresh off a bad but hopefully not permanent breakup, discovers Molly's hidden crush as their paths cross the night before classes start, they realize they might have a common interest after all. Because maybe if Alex volunteers to help Molly learn how to get her dream girl to fall for her, she can prove to her ex that she's not a selfish flirt, that she's ready for an actual commitment. And while Alex is the last person Molly would ever think she could trust, she can't deny Alex knows what she's doing with girls, unlike her. As the two embark on their five-step plans to get their girls to fall for them, though, they both begin to wonder if maybe they're the ones falling for each other. I know. Give me just a yes or no. Thumbs up, thumbs down on this book. How'd you feel about it? Thumbs up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. It wasn't all that enthusiastic. It seemed like just a... Well, it was interesting. This is so... This is the first time I did an Audible book, and I listened to it, so... Okay. Actually, you know, it read more soap opera e because I actually had yeah. voice actors performing it. So yeah. it was, you know, it was hands free. It was just a different mm-hmm. experience for me doing a, um, a what do you call it? Like an audio, an audio book, yeah. an audio book. Yeah. You can access so many audiobooks with your library card right here at the David A. Howe Public Library using the Libby app. Like just a little plug. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to pay for it. You're welcome. I, so I listened to this. Uh, I listened to this partially on audio and I also read 
the book kind of half and half, just depending on what I was doing. Um, I, my one complaint about the audiobook, though, is that I feel like, and some of this has to do with the writing, but I felt like the readers they got to do Molly and Alex had a very similar vibe. Oh, uh, vocally, you mean? Vocally, yeah. Did you get that at all? Yeah, but explain to me in the book, Do they? Do, does each chapter, is it titled one of their names? Yeah. Okay, so that's the, yes. only, way, that's the only way it helped me. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. they have conversation with each other, but I was following pretty well. Yeah, I just, I think it's because like, well, I so I didn't super love this book. So I'll just put that right out there in the front. This, this right, was, this was <laughs> maybe my least favorite book we've done together out of the three Pride Months that we've really? done. Yeah, I think so. Oh, better than Red, White, and Royal Blue. Did you really? I did. I think it moves a lot quicker than Red, White, and Royal Blue. That one was kind of a slog at some point. Yeah. And I do have some similar complaints. Like in Red, White, and Royal Blue, we both sort of felt like there really wasn't much tension because they were just all in, like right, right. from the beginning, and that was it. And I feel like there's a little of that here too. Like, not that Molly and Alex are like, we're 100% in this relationship, but. I guess it never really occurred to me that they might not end up together. And I didn't find their chemistry all that obvious or strong, like coming on the page. I don't know. What do you think? I liked the tension building up into the end. I like it because in Red, White, and Royal Blue, like right off the bat, like you said. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I like this one. It was, a, it was a build. And then it was like, will they, won't we? They, of course they will. But what yeah. I liked about it the most is that it was like helping one of the characters discover, both of, discover, both of them discover who they were. True. It was more kind of a journey of self-discovery and, and, and showing the comfortability in kind of that opposing characterization. So like them kind of combating really helped that one character thrive and come to life and everybody could see like the vibrancy. And I liked seeing the self-confidence sort of build to that character. Um, yeah, I, I like I like the development a little bit more. Yeah, I'll give you that. I I agree. I think their individual journeys, uh, to your point, were probably the strongest part about it. I think especially with wait, is Alex is the one who's kind of the mess, right? Alex is the one. Mm-hmm. Alex was the one who started with Natalie. Yes, and then was going to help Molly get Cora. Yes, yeah. I think her going from just being like kind of a mess of a person to sort of the fact that she has this friendship really does kind of push her to being a more sustainable, stable person, which was, which I did like that part. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that they came from different backgrounds, of course, and it was like an unlikely pair. I just like that story of the, of course, it's not going to be Cora. It was you all along. So yeah. it was great. Yeah. It was more interesting to me. And I honestly can't, I cannot identify if it's because I actually listened to it. I listened to it in two days too. So I really crammed oh, it. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah. It was really, really condensed. Whereas if I was reading, it might be a little bit, more of a struggle for me to get through it or want to get to it. I really like this format. So I think I need to explore that for next time. Yeah. Audiobooks are great. They really are. I I drive to Detroit and I covered a lot of ground listening to my way. So it was, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I think like a couple of things that stood out to me, I kind of wish that Natalie and Cora, who were like, you know, the objects of, of Alex and, and Molly's affection. I sort of wish those characters would have been fleshed out a little bit more, you know, so that you would have kind of wondered, like, well, you know, maybe Molly really should be with Cora. Like, maybe this is something here. Maybe there's like something to this. And same with Natalie. I feel like Natalie came off pretty mean. Right. And it was actually Alex who was the mean one to Natalie by not right. letting her in. Like, Natalie wanted to be a part of Alex's life and said, I love you. And it wasn't reciprocated off the bat. So you actually feel for Natalie. And then towards the end, it's like Natalie becomes the cold hearted BI. Yeah. She's yeah. tour and like, oh, now I don't want it. Like, Natalie always right. her calls eventually. Yeah. She went to Pittsburgh, spent time with her, wanted to cuddle, wanted to be physical after all that time apart. And yeah. All of a out of nowhere, Alex has this expectation where, no, we have to chat. So it's yeah. like, you really threw Natalie for a loop. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like the only time you really have sympathy for Natalie is the first chapter. Because after that, she is kind of presented... I don't know if it's meant to be she's sort of jilted, and so she's mad at Alex, but it just seems like a terrible relationship. So, I don't know. I just, I kind of missed... When you have, like, it's not even a triangle. It's like a quadrangle, because you have, like, four involved... But I feel like in order for that to work, there's got to be some chemistry. 
amongst right. all parties and it just never really like i feel like that that above all else was what was missing for me yeah and i think with core i think she was maybe fleshed out a little bit more than natalie because she's yeah. obviously a more central character but i have to yeah. say i really liked the um reveal of cora i thought that was a nice little surprise yes when you kind of get a sense of what her personality is really like yeah when molly's in a more secure place to really like look at this person and be like oh well, you're not great <laughs> You know? right. oh, yeah, yeah, the full character reveal of like, yeah. of her character, but I also like the like actual introduction of her character into the book. Oh, so, like, oh, I see. I see. Seven Eleven, and it's she's Alex is trying to flirt with this girl, and it yes. ends up okay uh, the whole time. Yeah, that that was surprising to me, being like, oh, oh, yeah, I see where this is gonna go. Yeah, yeah, and I think more things like that where you have some misdirection and you have like, oh, this could go in multiple places i feel like would have would have helped it along i i didn't hate it or anything you know what i mean like i i was fine i just i wasn't like what's gonna happen what's gonna happen and i and i didn't feel like there was enough tension to really uh pull me along yeah you kind of knew all along what was gonna happen and like you know when she she pulls her to the the rugby tryout it's like you knew that wasn't gonna go well i think the thing that surprised me the most was i didn't know if cora was actually more interested in alex or molly it was so clear all along that she was interested in molly so maybe there could have been a little bit more deceit on the end of like maybe she caught cora and alex kissing that would have been a big betrayal yeah that that could have been a little bit juicier i mean you know i don't as a person like conflict i just like watching it on reality tv through scandal. yeah yeah of course, of course. I read a book i don't want to see the drama necessarily but i think there could have been some opportunities there where it could have been a little bit like alex got by pretty scot-free i feel like she didn't as 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 a as a um downtrodden sort of character yeah. she really never did anything really wrong i don't think no because in the beginning when cora is like interested in her and stuff and she sees that molly that's where Molly's interests are. She backs right off and she, yeah, she doesn't, she's, she's just kind of honest and, and nice to people. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, she seemed awesome. And then yeah. when you were reading the description about how it's kind of like, she's all that, the teen movie from the early 2000s. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense because she's, you know, trying to gussy Molly up and make yeah. her like badass chick for Cora and make her like a, formidable match and that whole kind of journey i was like why is she doing this again like i know <laughs> yeah that felt a little loose too like why are you putting so much energy in this girl yeah. just because you're you think that by telling your ex-girlfriend i spend so much intimate time with this girl but we didn't right. do anything right. i swear yeah it's like, All it's, right. i felt the same way it's like as soon as that plot point came up and it's early on where she's like i'll just fix up this girl with her crush and then Natalie will know that I'm serious. It was like, that, you got you to have a real suspension of disbelief there. You know, like, yeah. hey, I got these two people to hook up. See how great I am? You know? Like, how did you do that, too? Like, yeah, <laughs> it seems really intimate. Like, hey, it does. I'd be more impressed if she just had friends. Yeah. Not, not yeah. to hook two girls up. Yeah. I think it's a very sweet story. Like it's, you know, it's nice and it's pleasant and you're, there's no big drama moments. There's no, nobody really has a big falling out outside of the initial fight and everything. But, you know, sometimes that can be nice. I just feel like in a book like this where you know the destination as soon as you see the title is, you know what I mean? Like, like really, like yeah. you really, you know where you're going in order for it to be, I think, a really successful book, you, you just you have to make it about the characters. And I just didn't really feel like the characters, any of them, really popped quite enough to me. You know, this one feel longer to you than others, or how did that match up? Because this felt very different to me. Obviously, listening to it on one point two speed. No, I don't think it felt longer. I think you know, Red, White, and Royal Blue was like interminable. That just would never end. You know, and that that spent that like hundreds, hundreds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, who's gonna win? Uh, and I thought last year, the Gunkle, although we, we kind of identified some superfluous characters where we were like, we could do without them. Uh, I thought that one moved pretty quickly, too. So, no, I didn't think this was slow, necessarily. I just wanted more stuff to happen. Yeah, I agree. I think I think a lot of stuff did happen, but a lot of stuff that didn't need to happen. Like, all of a sudden, when we got into, like, okay, that's step two. It's like, mm-hmm. oh god, how many steps are there? And they're like, this is <laughs> yeah. five. And I was like, no. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Three steps. And they're like, oh wait, that's step three point five. And I was like, okay, well, this yeah. is 
this feels like a mess. Like we're making yeah. this up as we go, which is kind of cute, but that didn't play into any sort of that. That had no payoff. The steps. No, it didn't. Problem. I was no. like, obviously, and, and Molly knew that Alex was making the step system up, but it wasn't, I was like, step five should be like something really, really powerful. And it yeah. just ended up being like, and they go out. It's like, well, yeah, we knew that, but it should be something surprising that happens. Yeah. I do think that the, the surprise get together, while I thought it was very romantic happening in the library, I thought the authors did a good job of explaining that moment where their bodies finally connect. And I'm kind of a sucker for like the intimacy when it comes yeah. to this stuff. Like I, I'm kind of in it for like the horny details, <laughs> and that, like having their bodies like pressed apart, like, like Molly couldn't get close enough to her, you know? Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I wish that there had been a little bit more intimacy earlier. on. I agree. I agree. There, there wasn't really much of that at all. And I, I, do, I do think you kind of miss it. <laughs> One thing, there, you know, we, we start with kind of a makeout scene and they talk about kicking off their converse. That's something they say multiple times. You can't kick off converse. There's so many laces in those. No way. It's also painting a very clear picture of what kind of like archetypes these are. <laughs> like, yeah, I, right? Yeah, I know. I know. Poor girls, you know, these are yeah. like, these aren't your lipstick girls. These are uh -huh. a little bit more like your grungy girls. So. Yeah. I also felt kind of like we were missing a scene with Molly and Natalie. I don't know. Like it yeah. had Molly had some opportunity to sort of confront Natalie or, or be in a position to kind of defend Alex to Natalie. I think that would have added a dimension too. And we just never went in that direction at all. There was that confrontation at the final concert of Natalie's and it was kind of, it was okay. kind of just a little interaction that they had where Molly came back and said, I don't like her. She's mean to you. And it's kind of like, but she's, uh, yeah, I did that, that. That seemed really rushed. And it seemed, yeah. like, it seemed like they did not want to dedicate a lot of time to this Natalie character. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and I wasn't even counting that in my head because like what I wanted was Molly to say things to Natalie. I wanted her to be like, Alex is my friend and you're not treating yeah. her right. You know, like I wanted something like that. Maybe, yeah. maybe Alex overhears that and it's sort of, you know. Yeah, Molly didn't really have that kind of stand up for herself moment. She just no. all of a sudden was like a badass chick because she made a couple of quips here and there. And right. Getting, um, getting Cora. But it seemed like, it seemed like Cora and Natalie kind of piddled out like in a yeah. very, in a very like unexplosive way. I think it could have been a little bit more explosive. Yeah. And I think like to your earlier point, as far as like character develops in their journeys, I, I really feel like Alex is the character who comes off as the most like fulfilled, the most like her, her journey seemed uh, the most believable and the most fleshed out. So, yeah. I like the hearing about Alex's journey. Like I like the way they painted sort of the crappy apartment that she moved into once she yeah. got to Pittsburgh and, yeah. and like having the interaction with the roommate and like all of a sudden the roommate. I like how they, they kept alluding to like Alex is this gorgeous person. And obviously, you know, she doesn't take care of herself. I thought they did a good job of introducing sort of that Alex is this like blonde, hardcore chick. And uh, Molly's like this buttoned up um, girl from, you know, the suburbs. So I thought they did a good job of painting those two pictures. And then having Alex sort of explore Pittsburgh on her own and like alluding to like not being able to afford the clothing and having Molly's mom buy that. And then also getting the job with the mm -hmm. unlikely food cart owner who becomes kind of a father figure to her was yeah. really sweet too. I thought that was, that those relationships for Alex were uh, were, were, were more fun to read than the Molly stuff. The Molly stuff was obviously stressful because she was a stressful character and high strong. Yes. yes. But I think they did a good job of like painting that dichotomy between the two characters. They really yeah. focused all their energy on Molly and Alex, like they should. Well, yeah, of course. But they just didn't connect fast enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think adding a few pitfalls along the way would have made it uh, that much better. Yeah. yeah. There was, yeah, there were, there was some like, uh, the flirting scene in Starbucks where they're sitting there and she's like, okay, we'll grab the coffee and stuff. Like some of that stuff went on a little too long for me. Yeah. The coaching of Molly wasn't, um, I don't know. It didn't, didn't seem like she utilized that coaching in any sort of way with Coral. No, no. That, that one moment where it was like in the um, rugby uh, tryouts where she knocked 
she got knocked out or whatever. And then Cora yeah. comes to check on her and she's like, what's up doc or something like that. She makes some sort of like doc, like she, she references Cora as her doctor and it's like a right. very natural. It's like, we could have seen a few more times where it's like, we could just realize that Molly had the potential the whole time. Like Molly's yeah. a person. Like right. We could have had a little bit more dry, sarcastic quips from her earlier. Yeah. Like it's always been there. It just took like Alex to kind of let the guard down for her. So I think, you know, other than that, it was like, Unless Alex taught her to be funny, which I doubt that's true. She just like encouraged her to come out of yeah. her show. Yeah. Like, could have used a few more sarcastic, like even when she has her internal thoughts, like maybe there were a little bit more sarcastic jokes that could be had. So you fall mm-hmm. for Molly a little bit sooner because that came out of nowhere. It's like, oh, yeah. all of a sudden she's really funny. Oh, yeah. okay. I see what they were trying to do. Yeah. They could have introduced that humor earlier. I, I think that's true of just the whole book. I, I feel like the, the book sort of lacked a, a sense of humor. You know, like it wasn't, it, you know, not that it has to be like laugh out loud hilarious, but it, it didn't really have a lot of like funny situations really even. Right. So there was the cute little moment with the banana when she got down to the common area. Of college. <laughs> yes. Like, Wait, no, they're trying to demonstrate how to put on condoms and she's yeah. eating the, the display. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of funny. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny yeah. stuff. But then it was really like, it was all serious from there. It was like, okay, yeah. now the business for get you that girl it was it was it was more contention and um sort of like building that hatred towards each other that they were focused on i think over humor which is a shame yeah, yeah. Be fun i think in a book like this too where where you're kind of setting up an odd couple coupling you know where it's like molly is like nice and sweet and and uh alex is you know sort of rough and tumble I don't think that came out too strong in the in the book either. That was one of the like with a Molly chapter and an Alex chapter. That was one place where I did have to kind of remind myself who is who a time or two because I just don't think the writing varied that much between Alex and Molly. Like from chapter to chapter, I don't really think it did. You know, and then you think that maybe since it was co-written, one of them wrote more in the voice of one, and one wrote more in the voice of the other. It's possible. I know, like, you know, books like Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist and, and things like that, or Dash and Lily, those typically are, you know, one author does a chapter and one does another. But these, I couldn't really tell much of a difference. And, you know, they both had, like, these relationships with their moms. And I had to keep being like, wait, this is bad mom and this is good mom. Like, I had to kind of keep that straight in my head. Yeah, yeah. The mom stuff, the voices were killing me, though. It's like, so oh, yeah. I think you're right. Like, not only was the writing kind of similar for both the girls, but the voice inflections yeah, were that different. It was. Like, Alex obviously had kind of a, a lower voice, and Molly was very neutral. And then Cora was like, and then I'm going to go here, and I'm going to go here, and we're going to go up every time we talk. And that was just like a funny choice. It's like, it's yeah. so funny to listen to them make these voices and command. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what they said in the audiobook is that two, there were two different actresses that played the two roles, but they did yeah. sound very similar. So they, they did. Could have maybe done a little bit better at casting or just like putting on a stronger affectation for either. Something. Yeah. I think if you're going to go to the trouble of having two people, you want to have two very different types. Yeah, you know? Definitely for a while. I was like, wait, this is one girl doing different. Yes. Yes. I know. So, just have Natasha Leone do the uh, Alex dialogue. Uh, Alex. Oh, uh, so yeah. Molly, you're never going yeah, to. Why don't you never gonna gonna date it. this girl? Why don't you? I would listen to Natasha Leon. Yeah. Anything. Does she do audiobooks? We need to we need to get to the bottom of this. Uh I don't know. I didn't like this one. I'm sorry. That's fair. <laughs> I'm just trying to talk up this book. I know. I know you are. You're you're doing your best. You're doing your best. And I guess it's too much to say I didn't like it. I just found it very boring. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I get that. I mean, I, I think if I hadn't been in like a, a, a like a complete rush to complete this by our deadline, that yeah. maybe I would have been, if I really milked it and like nurtured it, like the books that I love, then I probably wouldn't have been exciting, excited to pick it up again. Yeah. But I, I don't know. What I liked about this choice is that we were doing um, a story about two girls. Yeah. Love, and I, I thought that the kind of the difference between Red, White and Royal Blue and this one was like that um, carnal factor. I think that with the guys, it was like they were getting done to business real quick. Doug, they were, yeah, they were. you know, yeah. they're just gonna cut the pleasantries. And then the girls, I, I did kind of 
I found myself being a little bit like, ooh, is this going to be the moment? Like I find myself anticipating yeah. it. And it was kind yeah. of exciting to have that hanging on the, um, again, yeah. will they, won't they? I know they will, but how soon will they? Yeah, well, like there's a part where they're uh, they're like in the mall trying to try pick outfits or something like that. And yeah. they're sort of like noticing each other. And they're kind of like, wait a minute, am I into this? You know, and then it, then it's over. Like, that's it. We don't come back to that, you know, for quite a while. I thought that scene was really well done. Yes, the know? mall scene was fantastic. I thought. It was, yeah. Introducing um, Alex to the mom who loved her right away, I thought was yes. really interesting and recognized yep. that she's like a special person and then buying the clothes. And as I'm even saying this, I'm going to start getting emotional. I don't know why I've been like crying so much this month, but like just, I'm such a softy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so silly. Yeah. Yeah. The amount of emotion that I like I, would all of a sudden be like, Oh, like I hear something like, Oh, it's so, it was very sweet. I think maybe my heart's just a lot more open this year than it was last year somehow. Well, that seems positive. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe, maybe, maybe having you here, maybe choreographing those kids. Yeah, maybe just a whole, a whole mess of stuff. Maybe being fully integrated into this community. It's just yeah, and very, very touching. So I think I'm just loving everything. Yeah, yeah. What was it like? Uh, what was it like choreographing? Like back in the old place, Bo's Bo's been working at the theater where he and I did uh, shows together when we were kids. And, you know, now you're back there with like a new generation. Like what, what was that experience like, like being back there and, and working with a new crew? Yeah, I think it's, I went back and forth because these were the high school students and I'd also choreographed the middle school students. And for a while I was like, I think I prefer middle school age more because they're less self, self-conscious. But the high school kids are like, they're quick, man. Like yeah. I had maybe two hours every rehearsal to set a dance number. And I kind of like, mentioned to the production staff, like, I need two hours to set these dance numbers. I mean, the, the show is Mamma Mia. The main song is Dancing Queen. Like, it centers yeah. on dance, right? So I had to have enough time to make something big enough that I'd be proud of and that would, you know, kind of do this show justice. And so I wanted to have plenty of time, but I knew that we were so limited. And it was the most amount of conflicts I think I've ever experienced in a show. Mm. Like, we, very, mm-hmm. we like, almost never had the full cast there. That's rough. That's that rough. Was frustrating in general. So there was already kind of this sense of like commitment. I was wondering like if they had it. So I'd set a dance number and then they probably wouldn't do it again until tech week. So I didn't have this catch up time to like remind them. And yeah. luckily with technology, now you can record dances. Some people that weren't there could catch up. And they really did. Like that was the most impressive part. It's like, I know the show will always come together. But this really came together in a very amazing way. And in that in that they, they really got their crap together. Like they really yeah. did the work outside of the room and showed me how dedicated they were. And it was it was because like there's like this element that I feel like in probably well, you definitely as a director have it too, where it's like you can just picture opening night, right? Like oh, yeah, yeah. You're setting stuff knowing what the crowd reaction is gonna be. And I knew when I was setting some of these numbers, like what, the, what, what was possible? I just, they weren't getting there in rehearsal, obviously. So I knew that like once they clicked in and really felt it, they would get the response they deserved. And they totally did. Absolutely. And they totally got it. Eventually they understood kind of where I was heading. So I, I felt very justified in a sense of like, you know, yeah. the my madness was really realized and, and, you know, and worth it. So it was, the, the process was kind of stressful. It was very touching to be back in the theater where I came from, but I didn't have time to even, <laughs> didn't even have time, not time to reflect or to yeah. think about good old days because I had to get this freaking information out as fast as possible. It just felt too rushed. I mean, yeah. kids these days, kids these days are so overloaded and overcommitted. Hey, Grandpa. All right. We had like, oh my God, like how many freaking tennis conflicts and like, <laughs> you know, like our leads were never there because there was their senior year and yeah. we, we did this right like a week, they opened a week before their graduation. Oh, wow. That's so intense. It wasn't until the seniors got released from school for the year that we actually finally had them all. And then they had, you know, some sort of like baccalaureate ceremony. Yeah, yeah. So they had so many. So we, we are not going to do this show in this slot again. It was like... Yeah, that that's a busy time. That's a crazy busy time. Well, it it really was. I mean, hearing how hearing how it was put together, it was pretty amazing. Like what what you were able to work through that with them, and like what the finished product. I mean, it really because it's not just like this is people standing in a line doing their own motion, and it doesn't matter like if if these people aren't here that day. It's a lot of really interconnected stuff that like relied on everybody kind of being where they're at. So to put that together 
separately, like with people watching videos and stuff, was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, not to embarrass you further, but you were the commencement speaker for the class of 2023. And I, I do want to hear a little bit about that. So can you <laughs> tell me? Tell me. Yeah, that was probably the most overwhelming thing that I've done since I've been back. I, I mean, yeah. they called me, the Marshall High School called me while I, I was at work and I had this week of proposals. Like I had the busiest week probably of my newfound career, this weird life that I'm chasing now where I had like three proposals I had to present to different school districts. I had three big dance numbers I had to choreograph. Um, uh, Super Trooper, Gimme Gimme, Voulez Vous, and Lay All Your Love all in the same week. And I was also gone yeah. for dance competitions. So yeah. I was running on zero sleep, running on complete fumes. And I just closed this proposal that I did. I got off the phone. I just didn't feel good about it. I was feeling like mm. so of all sorts. And I had a phone call from a number I didn't recognize and I answered and it was the assistant principal, Matthew Siebert of Marshall High School asking me to do this. I was so touching and I cried yeah. on the phone and I, I was probably in a vulnerable place as it was, but I wasn't expecting it at all. And like just having him say that they were so touched from the work that I've done with their kids and that they recognized yeah. it was, was really, really amazing. So yeah. that, that aside, um, got that notice about a month before they wanted me to do it. And then I wondered who dropped out and <laughs> I couldn't make it. I could, I just was too busy. I couldn't get yeah. there. You were there yeah. too early. If you were there a week later, it might've worked out. Yeah. They're not doing well. And they were like, should we get Bo? And I was like, I don't think so, but <laughs> I, I guess you know, still worked out. So that, that's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Was, uh, somehow they were um, still waiting for the check to clear. No, yeah. I, so I didn't, I didn't want to dedicate too much energy to writing the speech. And you know, it's funny. So I was like preparing for it. And I thought, yeah. I was like, oh, who do I know that's on commencement speeches? I was thinking of Sutton Foster because okay. she's done a bunch of commencement speeches and has done kind of that circuit randomly. And I remember her yeah. late night talking about when she went to Troy High School in Michigan in 2018. Oh, okay, okay. That was her alma mater. I was like, oh, I, I want to watch that. I'm a theater person myself. I love her. We're both going back to our alma maters after being theater people. I'll tell you what, I learned everything not to do from that. Well, she was bad? I was terrible. Oh. Sorry. And I know this is wow. Look there, at that. Well, geez. I didn't like bunheads very much, so I guess. <laughs> I like you know. that does. She okay. needs to stick to what she knows. I think what it was is like, I've been out of the musical theater performing business for three years now, and I kind of like talk about it as like leaving Scientology, like I've gone clear. So <laughs> I can kind of see, I can kind of like recognize that cult-like mentality. Yeah, I thought yeah. was just like trying way too hard mm. and like trying to relate to the kids, making jokes where they just clearly didn't land and then kind of mm, That's the worst. And like just talking about unrelatable material. And I thought if anything, I just learned, I, I you need to be genuine and you need to be, um, you just need to be authentic and I thought it was there was a big performing quality about that that speech. And she talked about how it was like the most nerve-wracking thing she's ever done. And of course, standing in front of high schools is terrifying. Yeah. I've been part of the community for a while and I know these kids really well. I was nervous every second until I stood on stood at that podium. Yeah. When I stood at that podium, I was absolutely locked in and just felt it. Like I felt the love and everything, the support. So it was a really, really powerful experience and it is on YouTube and you can yeah. uh, Google MHS commencement. I'm about what, 45 minutes into the program. So yeah, that's well, I did watch the video and I was proud of you already and you did do a great Aww. job. So I'm really, I'm really glad that you got to do that. And I feel like it was really meaningful to the kids and like all, you know, everybody that you worked with and just yeah. very cool to see. So congratulations. Really cool. Thank you. It was so cool to feel um, accepted in that way. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I liked your speech better than I liked this book we read. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad there was plenty of uh, tension and conflict and character development. There was. There Whatever really was. You're looking for in a yeah. good young author. <laughs> it definitely read like a young author's story. So I read somewhere it's like when you give a speech, you have to write it like you're reading to a fifth grade audience. So I think I nailed that. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's good to know. I like school. School is good. School, school was good. I'm not in school anymore, and soon you will not be. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for the support. Yeah, 
yeah that sounds great uh well i mean as we're wrapping up the episode here uh what are your what are your plans for pride month i know i know you're coming to new york city yep. what do you got going well, on so i don't have anything super scheduled i'm going to new york city i'm leaving tomorrow okay um, i did this last year where i traveled to the city for pride and it was such such a success i had to repeat it yeah I'm getting an airbnb on the upper east side where i usually do the upper west side so i'm trying a new uh area oh. all right so diversifying sure to diversify my neighborhoods. Um, I am going to definitely go to the Pride Parade, which is the last weekend of June. And that's on okay. Sunday. That was really fun. Last year, we went to um, the West Village right by Stonewall, where the riots oh, oh. happened and sure, yeah. where it all began. And that was cool. But it was like the first Pride back where everybody was back. And it was jam freaking packed. Mm. And then we ended the night at the Emory's Crisis right around the corner, which is like a big piano bar in the city. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but they no. play show tunes there. They have a live piano player. And we literally spent, Nick, like eight hours in that bar, and it's underneath the ground. <laughs> well, I need to be somewhere a little bit more open air this time. Yes. I find myself a rooftop, you know, some sort of rooftop party. Um, I'm just going to see friends, and I'm going to – I don't put too much on my schedule or overcommit, just knowing that I can kind of – one of my most fun nights last year when I did this was I like one Tuesday night. I was like, I'm not going to plan anything this last night. I'm just going to literally text people and see who's available. Mm. I texted somebody that didn't work out, texted another person that didn't work out. And then I got a text from a friend that said they had COVID. So I was like, crap. So none of this might work out because I was around that person. So I might have COVID. So oh, I got geez. tested at a rapid place in the corner and then waited an hour and got my results and I wasn't. I didn't have it. So I went down to the, I went down to Chelsea and I wanted to go to the standard hotel where there's this uh, rooftop bar called Labane. Okay. So I um, went to this restaurant and when I got to Chelsea, since I moved back to Michigan three years, they have like, that area has blown up with restaurants. They have amazing restaurants all of a sudden in the wow. from like 26th street down to 14th street on eighth Avenue. So I literally just walked down 8th Avenue. I was like, oh my God, this place looks amazing. This place looks amazing. So I found myself in like a little Brazilian restaurant that looked super cute, had a cool vibe. I was by myself and the bartender like caught me a bunch of margaritas and got me shots and stuff. So I, already <laughs> had I ended up sitting next to two girls that are from University of Michigan. Oh, wow. I go Wolverines. And yeah. then I headed out back down the street and I headed to LeBain, right? Because I wanted to see the sunset yeah. over the, um, I guess it's the Hudson. And um, I got to the, I got to the place. I was just like had this energy, right? I had this like vibe yeah. of energy. It's all those <laughs> comped margaritas, probably. Uh, margarita. That was the energy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Free cheap booze. I showed up to the elevator, and the guy was like, "Oh, there's a private party up there." And I was like, "Oh no, I just wanted to look at the view." And he's like, "Okay." So he let me up. <laughs> and so I took the elevator all the way to the top, and I like the doors open, and there was like this big corporate party that was having their pride event there so like okay. all these like finance bros and girls with like little rainbows on their cheek trying to be woke Perfect. and so i like my way through the crowd and this girl who looked like vanessa bayer you, you know vanessa bayer? i do yeah like, snl sure like do you want me to take your picture i was like yeah i do so she took my picture by the by the view by this awesome view on the rooftop and then i was like i'm gonna leave i'm gonna go to the back and get a picture of the hudson will you watch my bags so i left my like shopping bags and my fanny pack there she's like sure and so I went to the back and I was like standing by the window and there were a bunch of people that were getting their picture taken. And all these people were like, do you want me to take your picture? I was like, no, I literally just wanted to stand there and be present and watch the sunset. Yeah. So I watched the sunset and then um, this table next to this like little group of people sitting kind of near where I was standing was like, did you get a good picture of that space? And I was like, no, I just wanted to like watch it or be present. They're like, oh my God, like, you know, somebody didn't want to get their picture taken. So they had me sit with them. Next thing I know, I'm like sitting with these like two German entrepreneurs who were obsessed <laughs> with Marshall and want to go bowling at Marshall Lanes. And oh like this other guy and his friend, his coworker, and ended up having so much fun with them and sat there for two hours. And I was like, oh my God, I left my bags with Vanessa Bear. So I ran back and she was like, oh, you, she's like, you left your bags here. She was still there. <laughs> and so I took my bag, like, thanks, Vanessa. And I, it wasn't really her. And then I ran back. Maybe it was. Place. Yeah, very well could have been. So then um, I'm like with these people, whatever. We take the elevator down. We're talking to the last minute. And I ended up like making out with one of them and having like a total meet cute. Like it was like total vibes. And he was like, I better see you again. And I was like, you will, knowing I'd never see him again. And wow. that, um, so then I was like, okay. I was like, 
floating down the street and I was like, I'm going to go up 9th Avenue this time. So I came down 9th Avenue, 8th Avenue. I want to go up 9th Avenue. I'm like walking and I'm feeling so good about myself. Like on top of the world, like I conquered New York City on my last day. I did a, I was so open, met new people. Mm-hmm. Impact. Mm-hmm. I see this person coming at me and it's somebody I kind of think I recognize. And sure enough, it was somebody that like the year before when I was there for the summer before, I had a nice moment with. Oh. oh, another like ghost from my past. And I was like, oh. and I was feeling good. And like, this person was like very attractive in their own right. And we're getting closer. The person looks at me in the eye and just keeps walking. Just oh. like that. Oh, man. Knock down. That's New York City, baby. And I'll bring oh, my God. Kick you right back down to earth. So I was like, for one moment, I felt so seen. And the next moment, I felt totally rejected. And I was like, I love this city. Wow. See, that's it's the good. tension I was missing in this book. <laughs> I should have put that in my graduation speech. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, like, that would have killed. That would have killed. I was on the edge of my seat. It was pins and needles over here. I loved it. I loved it. it was a wild day. So I, I kind of want to have, I don't know, I can't recreate that. And then when I came no. back to Michigan, I was like on this high from being like so open and meeting people. So I like signed up for this event in Detroit by myself. Right. And I was like, I'm going to go to this event by myself and meet people. Cause I live in like rural Michigan in the smack dab in the center. I want to go to the big city in Michigan and be like, bring that openness with me. Wake up the day of the event. It's a little overcast. So I cancel. So like I, I reserved it right back to that. Like, when i got back here but then i i did sign up for the next event and a friend came with me to that one and it ended up being a lot of fun so i think i do need a wing person when i'm here but i was like feeling like really like i can do it you know i yeah. can do it on my own i don't need another person so we'll, yeah. see. we'll see what happens every year is a little different yeah but, yeah okay so, well i can't wait to hear the tales <laughs> yeah i mean who knows yeah i might have my own boy meets boy meets boy or boy meets girl or yeah. whatever boy meets it's pride yeah, perfect if you want a narrator i could read it so like i got this microphone right here do all the voices yeah I'll do all of them. uh all right well thanks everybody for tuning in to our special pride month book club the book is she gets the girl uh remember we've got lots of great displays here we've got our pride clubs meeting for teens and adults regular uh monthly year-round so you can find all that information at davidahowlibrary.org or pop in and see us and say hi. Bo, uh, I think that'll do it for this this year's episode. You'll be back for Christmas, I assume. A, a very pride Christmas. Yes, we're yeah. bringing it all the way into December. And thank okay. you for having me. I love this annual tradition that we have. And thank you for being an ally. And thank you for being a friend and for introducing this awesome celebration into your collection at the uh, David A. Howe, right? Yeah, you nailed it. And, um, yeah, and I, I, have to, I have to end with saying my friend Amanda has a drag name. Her name, uh, her drag name is Anne Ally. So. Oh, that's pretty good. Trademark. Yeah. She better yeah. trademark that fast. So oh, There it goes. <laughs> Sorry. Yep. Sorry yep. Amanda. <laughs> oh, it's too late. <laughs> too late. It's gone. Yeah, you can have it. All right. Well, so long, my friend. So long, everybody. I thank you. 